Hey, my name is Melissa Bedeen, and I'm obsessed with personal development, body, mind, and soul health, as well as all things business marketing that can help you to navigate all things mystical and messy in this journey called life. See, I am a coffee-addicted mother of two who married my grade 9 boyfriend, and I started my company at the age of 17 with just a $200 Costco massage table and a goal of becoming a healer in mind. Now let's fast track a decade and a half forward as I've pivoted and grown myself from being a brick-and-mortar business as an international healer and psychic medium that loves to use my gifts to help align others on their path. See, I found myself naturally pivoting towards becoming a coach as I've made it my mission to possibly impact the lives of others. But will we shy away from the real chats here? No way. See, I firmly believe that we're all intuitive, but again, the true gift actually comes from listening to this internal knowingness. But since all of our arenas of life may look at a little bit different, I hope to shed some insights on how this can benefit you both personally and professionally. See, I believe we have a mission. No, more of a calling inside of us, but it's up to us whether we choose to use this to benefit not only us, but others as well. As I teach you the tested and true ways to align yourself today, I am inviting you into this time as a friend, having a coffee, chat with the goal of a girl trying to give you some form of mind mapping to skip through the messy and tapping into your own magical. Now I want you to know that you are welcome to the Mom Gun Media, and I'm grateful you're here. Hi everyone. Okay, so I am so excited. I have Megan Hamilton here, who is a speaking coach for women with speaking on anxiety. She brings her classical theater training and 25 plus years of combined theater and music performance to build a public speaking system that works. She's a mom, a wife, and shares her home with rescue dogs and cats. So I love all of the above. Mm -hmm. Welcome here, Megan. Thank you for joining us here today. Thank you for having me, Melissa. I'm so happy to be here. I'm so grateful. So I'm, I saw your mission. I saw what you were sharing with people. And I love that you're helping women specifically connect and share their voice. Cause I know so many of us grew up and like, I know my mom has struggled with being seen and not heard. And that's some old belief and generational beliefs that really culturally we're breaking through. And now I just don't shut up. So I started a podcast. <laughs> some people out there need the messaging that you have and helping them to get out there and get louder and get more public with it. And so I would just love to say high fives on your mission that's amazing thank you yeah it feels really good it feels like a like a like a like a mission that feels positive and sort of lifting up lifting women up that's just it like there's so many things out there that are born from a need and a lack and that is one of them because there is a lack in that environment and i'm so grateful that you do that now what would you say would be some of the challenges that public speaking for women is kind of coming out there with well, you know, you hit the nail on the head uh, earlier. One of the, the biggest challenges for women is visibility. And what I like to uh, talk to my clients about is, you know, we've all had experiences where we've walked in a room and we felt strange or there's a, there's a weird vibe going on and we end up blaming ourselves and thinking it's all in our head. But the truth of the matter is there are still a lot of biases against women, uh, whether people are aware of them or not. And so this goes way back to the early Greek and Roman days of public speaking and the public forums where some of our earliest recorded written history is about public speaking and it's also about women's voices. So if you go to Mary Beard's book, Women in Power, which I love to uh, reference a lot, 
she talked about how some of the earliest uh, written texts disparage women's voices. They talk about our voices being shrill. They talk about the fact that we don't sound intelligent. They talk about the fact that the forms are not a place for women. And so if you're going back through hundreds of years of people feeling this way and this being passed on intergenerationally, never mind things like the witch hunt or um, violence against women through the years. And so we, we learn from our mothers and our grandmothers and our great grandmothers behaviors that protect us, that keep us small, that make us be less visible so we won't get hurt. So we are dealing with our own internal sort of turmoil that's been passed on uh, through the generations, as well as sort of public information that gets passed on and, and biases that we have to sort of overcome. So visibility is one of the first things that is really challenging for women, even something as simple as, so we teach a lot about body language and how to carry your body and take up space through something called the Alexander technique. And part of that is up your chest and have it go towards the ceiling. That in and of itself can be so challenging for a lot of women who are not used to sort of exposing that that core part of their body, sort of your emotional center, right? Your stomach and your chest, your heart and your gut. And so even just, you know, opening that section up and trying to speak from that open section when we're used to sort of being smaller can be really challenging for women. And it's not something that you would have thought about when you're like, oh, I need help with my speech. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so we talk a lot about, about those issues and that's just, that's just one from, what ends up being many that are sort of more specific to women that often men don't have to face. I mean, men have their own challenges with public speaking, absolutely. But there's a lot of challenges that they don't have to face simply because they're men. And there's still a different view of men in the world than there is of women. Isn't that the truth? I love that you actually like address a lot of things that I, I'm not fully aware of the body posture system, but like I look at everything energetically too. And you are right. Like as a massage therapist, when I started learning, we learned the neck and like the throat is actually such a sensitive area that you never put more than one hand over it because it's such a vulnerable placement. So to expose that to the audience and lift your chest up, like there's a lot of trauma that sits there energetically too, where people just feel a natural fear and like that need to cover. So I think that that's actually a really great point that you address because it, it goes deeper than just your vocal and by pronunciating and, and like getting that out. But yeah, absolutely. And then looking at the other spectrum too of moms and visibility, what would you say kind of ties into that? Because I know that as a mom myself, I've had my own challenges, but I always love hearing it from other people because I, I know my world, but yeah, yeah. other people out there can relate and they're not alone. And that's like the main message we need to share. Definitely. Uh, you got you gave me chills when you talked about um, your massage therapy background and, and talking about you know uh, the throat and the shoulder and, and having two hands on it because that is again that's another piece that we have to be sensitive to that perhaps wouldn't be the same um, where we're dealing with uh, a different subset of people. Um, can you just remind me? Sorry, I got the chills and I just want you to ask me your question again. Not a problem. Um, we talked about women and visibility, but now moms more specifically. Oh, the moms, yeah. 
Definitely. So we were talking earlier about, you know, the witch hunts and violence against women and how, how sort of how to carry yourself so you don't get hurt gets passed on through the generations to the point where we don't even realize what we're doing. And we teach our children how to be in the world. We teach them what the world looks like. We teach them how to think about the world. And if we are still carrying around invisible biases about women's voices in the world, including our own, uh, we are teaching that to our children. And so one of the ways that we can sort of break free from that is to learn how to be visible, how to speak up, how to speak to your power, power how to see when things are not right, why it's important, use a loud voice. You know, it's, it, the benefit of being a woman is that we have a lot of history and we have a lot of um, training in being nurturing and compassionate and leading from a place of uh, caring. What we also have to learn how to do is still be, take up space, be loud when we need to be, speak our power, speak the truth, and really teach our children that it's just as important for women to speak up and be seen and be visible as it is for the dead. So even as much as like, you know, and this is something I really struggled with, like going out in your bathing suit on the beach when you go with your kids. So, you know, what do they learn about us if we're, if we're like, oh, I don't want to get my hair wet or, oh, I don't, you know, and for me, those were excuses that I would have before because I was so, um, I found it really, really difficult to expose my body in a public place. And, you know, I knew I needed to get really, really uh, solid about that before I went to beach with my daughter. Like I was just going to have to go for it because it was so important for her to understand that we should just be able to go to the beach and wear a bathing suit and not worry about it, right? And it's something as simple as that. And, um, and yet, man, is it vulnerable for some people, including myself. And so those are the challenges of visibility that we're facing that, that you know, are often not seen sort of on a broader spectrum. And, and man, they're tough. It's like, it's scary. And, and you don't even realize you're feeling that sort of anxiety and you may not even understand where it's coming from. That's so true on so many different levels. Like I know the insecurities that I've witnessed, I've picked up and then I've had to work through in my own awareness. And the biggest thing is, is if you're not aware or if you're not searching for that personal development, you're just going to live complacent to those traps. And so my biggest thing totally. is bringing on guests like you that can bring a form of opportunity and healing. And that's what I hope all of you are listening and taking in from this is you have a choice. And yes, sometimes vulnerability can be a little bit raw. I know you referenced an author. I Brene Brown for vulnerability and shame researching is like the top of the bar for me. Plus I love her twang. So audible books is like my thing with her and she's never met me. I've never met her, but I feel like we're tight. So anyways, (laughs) she brings in this opportunity for us to address where we fall short and address where we can grow and address where we aren't all perfect. There is no perfect. So 
if you think you've got cellulite, but just look at it this way, your daughter's watching that and then she's going to carry that shame. So I've, I've had to learn, like, I'm a heavier chested woman. This is something I like layer up, but my daughters, I started noticing they're layering up and I'm yeah. not trying to shame myself, but I'm also, I was taught, you know, don't show too much because you'll attract the wrong attention. I'm like, what am I, what is the message? Like, what am I? So I never, ever want to like cross a line where I'm taking their power away. So even in that, it, it's an empowering moment as a mom to get visible and be vulnerable and share it just to inspire the next generation, whether they're my children or not. And I love that you're doing that. Now, I know that not everybody is good at this, but in public speaking, I noticed I've done this in my growth because like I've, you don't wake up and you're awesome. You have to like, and I'm not awesome. I'm not <laughs> saying that guys, but like I have known that I speak really fast when I'm nervous or I stutter a little bit or I don't breathe and then I'll talk really fast again. So how would you recommend to stay calm and focused for those individuals who take on that energy? Totally. Uh so, you know, those are sort of basic problems that everybody shares when we, when we talk about public speaking. And I work from a system that I created from my years of theatrical training. So I'm a classically trained actor from uh, theater school a long time ago, back when that's what I thought I wanted to do. And so I have all of this training. And, you know, a few years ago, I was working in a university and long story short, I ended up coaching the students with public speaking. I had sort of thought I wanted to try it, see if I could put something together. And so that's what I did. So I start with the body using Alexander technique, which is the place you have to start with. And, and as a massage therapist, you would, you would probably uh, connect with this as well. You have to know how to carry yourself before you can do the rest of the pieces. And so it's, it's a systematic approach. And what's cool about this as well is that then you have this system that you can rely on when you get into situations where you're going to be feeling fear, where you're, you might walk in and feel the judgment and understand that it's not in your head. And this is something that you're working against instead of sort of freaking out and wondering why you still have to do this. You just say, I know what to do. I go back to the system. And so again, there's, there's uh, four, four steps here. So we start with the body, the Alexander technique, then we move on to breath work and it's controlled breathing to stay calm and focused. And so when we practice controlled breathing, when we are actually thinking about when we're taking a breath, we are sending a signal to our sort of lower brain, our lizard brain that we're not in fight, flight or fear mode, which is our stress response. And then we actually stop producing the stress hormones, cortisol and adrenaline in our bloodstream. And that's what causes us to do things like flush, to um, get out of sync with our breathing, to have a fuzzy brain, to speed up, to have an elevated heart rate, to sweat, all those things that we experience when we go, especially with public speaking. And we don't realize that this is just a stress response. And so when you're controlling your breathing, when you're sort of essentially taking over the part of your brain that generally uh, works on autopilot, you're telling yourself that you're not in, in stress mode and your brain will automatically start reducing the stress hormones into your bloodstream. So that opens up so much room for staying calm, staying focused, allowing yourself to continue. I mean, you've still got a bit of adrenaline. It just <laughs> doesn't just disappear from you. From your bloodstream right away but it, it's sort of enough to give you a kick so that you have energy but you're you're more in control and we're also taking deep breaths to support our voice so then we move on to voice work which is step three 
and that's using our optimum pitch. So that's figuring out the most resonant and optimal sound that your body can make. What's cool about all of this as well is everything that I'm teaching also happens to be the least harmful on your body. So it reduces uh, potential for injury. And in some cases, like with Alexander training, it actually over time eliminates uh, previous injury, which is, which is so fun and fun to watch with clients. And then from there, we move on to text mapping. And so that's when you write everything out ahead of time and you map it out and then you're able to present a speech. So a lot of people are worried about speaking sounding like a robot, right? They're like, oh, when I read from text, I sound like I'm reading from a text. So this is a technique that allows you to move away from that. And it can be really powerful because you're choosing ahead exactly how you want to say what you're going to say. And I don't know about you, but sometimes in the moment, I'll forget words or, you know, like even a couple minutes ago when I got the chills from you and then I totally forgot the question you asked me because a sort of dealing with this physical response to something. And so what text mapping does is ensures that you've got everything in front of you so that you can go back to it if, if something happens, but you're still able to deliver it effectively and still communicate with your audience and have eye contact and all of those great things that can build connection. So what happens is you end up having this system so that you can go back to if you're starting to have that stress response, you know what to do. And you were saying what happens if you sort of speed up or if your brain is getting cloudy, you know what to do. You've worked on this, you know the order in which to do things and you go back to it. So you're not sort of left flailing about in the moment going, I don't know what to do here because that just adds to panic. And then I don't, you know, panic really builds and anxiety can turn into further anxiety. So it's a, it's a system essentially to keep yourself in good shape. I love that. I have OCD, so anything organized is also to my heart, but I yeah. agree with that. Like I, for me, I'll always have like some questions and notes and stuff to stay on topic because I know otherwise I get all over the place scattered and I call it squirrel because there's a whole Disney movie where just that scatterbrain. <laughs> I know that one, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so for those of you who have not watched it, I highly recommend Up, but that's the movie for Disney. But that's again why I have notes so that way I can stay on task and I can actually give as much value out of everything that I do because otherwise I tend to agree I, I get distracted and things fall apart. So everything you're saying makes perfect sense, especially from the end of just trying to hold a professional tone. So looking at that, how to stay calm, the Alexander system, everything that you've discussed, you're giving a lot of value. So I would love to know like what it is exactly that you do with your clients. So that way people know what it is that you offer and how they can work with you and the value that they get. Sure, thank you for asking. So I, I work with clients in several different ways. I have one-on-one uh, -on -one coaching sessions with clients. And I think the benefit of having a coach is that you have somebody holding you accountable and you have somebody who's helping you build a personal plan based on this sort of overarching system. So, you know, the, the, four, the four steps to the system can work for everybody. And certainly you can go and do it, up, you know, on your own. But just like practicing yoga, if you were to read about yoga in a book and then just go ahead and start doing it, you might find that it's not as beneficial as it could be if you had an instructor who's actually getting specific with you, watching you work, giving you small adjustments, tweaking it for your body, et cetera, et cetera. So the benefit of working with a coach is, number one, most of us, if given the opportunity, 
are not going to just sit around working on our public speaking skills because A, it's scary, and B, we've got other things to do. But if you pay for a coach who's going to hold you accountable to the work, and if this is something you have really wanted to get past in your life, and for so many people it is, having a coach is, is the step you need to take to, to get you moving forward and to get you progressing. And then past that, I do a, a course that I love to do. It's called Big Voices for Women. And that's when we work in a group. And we, we do the public speaking work, but we also look at it through the lens specifically of being a woman. And so we talk about experiences we've had where, you know, being a woman directly has affected different scenarios. We talk about workplace issues a lot. We talk about um, trauma. We talk about um, abuse and how we can get past that because those are things specific uh, to women a lot of a lot of the time. And then I also do group workshops. So often companies will hire me to come in and facilitate a workshop with all of their staff if they want their staff to be able to communicate more effectively and to learn some tips and tricks to really get out there and you know if they're selling a product or if they're just providing customer service, it gives them an opportunity to learn better communication skills. That's amazing. And so knowing the background and what you offer, I always find it's really great for people to see how people can, you know, when they pay, they pay attention and own that accountability and really have the guidance. Cause like, again, there's Tony Robbins quotes and that's one of them pay, pay people pay attention, but then also you can turn decades in a day. So what you're teaching us, a lot of people could struggle by reading as many books as they could that might be very repetitive and then get the opportunity to really scale it. Now, what would you say would be some of the ways that women can work on speaking through their fear in public speaking? Like, what are the tips you would kind of say in the behind the scenes? Um, so one of the things that we look for is opportunities to be able to practice in real life, because ultimately it's so great to learn about this and practice it in a safe place. Like, you know, just, just one-on-one -on, -one on zoom or even in your small group. But it's when you get out into real life, it's when you actually face the work fully or have that difficult conversation with your boss about how you should be getting paid more or finally confronting the person who belittles everything you say. Those are the, those are the, you know, the real life opportunities that are really scary when you're, when you're using your chops, essentially. So we look for sort of gradual ways to be able to practice this stuff. And often, people will start by deciding what they're going to do. And what comes into play first, quite frequently, is the breathing. So the practicing the controlled breathing, especially ahead of going into the situation that they know they're going to be practicing something stressful. So it's taking two minutes. And I have this app. Um, my daughter actually has my phone right now. But I have this app that I made that uh, counts you through a controlled breathing exercise. And so, and I even use it. So, you know, I had a job interview last January and I was feeling, you know, like I really wanted to do a good job, but I could feel the anxiety starting and there was a lot riding on this. And so I just busted out my phone. People thought I was just like browsing around on Facebook or whatever, but what I was doing was I was looking at the app and I was counting out my breathing and I was practicing controlled breathing before I got into the situation. And I ended up getting the job, so. I wouldn't, I wouldn't uh, <laughs> give that entirely to the controlled breathing, but 
Um, but it definitely got me into a headspace and a place where I was ready to be able to take this on. And, you know, another, another way you can practice is by warming up your voice in the shower in the morning. So just practicing humming and getting all of your resonators open this is something that we talked about when we're learning about optimum pitch and sort of sinking into your optimum pitch, getting everything warmed up and finding that place that has the most resonance in your body. And then once you find it, it's actually difficult to get away from it. So you'll find that when you've got it, then you'll get out of the shower and start your day and you'll already be in that place of using your optimum pitch. Another great way to practice, uh, especially for moms, is so with the text mapping that I talked about before, one of the things you do with that is you practice reading three to seven words ahead of what you're saying out to the audience. And so that's sort of like creating like a little buffer, you know, like with Netflix or any or YouTube where the video stops and there's that little wheel turning, it's collecting further information, right? And that's what you're doing as well. So you are loading up your brain with a few words. And that way, when, you're, when you've got some words ready to go, you can look up to the audience, make eye contact with people, have connections, which people really respond to and are able to uh, take in your message better. And then you go back and you, you sort of load up again, and then you look out to your audience. And so what you can do is bedtime every night is practice reading three to seven words ahead of what you're speaking. And I, I try to do this uh, with Audrey as much as possible. That's my daughter. So I'm reading to her and then I will say, you know, a few words the end of the sentence. And then we have that connection, so we make eye contact, and I get to see her reaction to what I've just said in the story. So these, I mean, like as busy people, and especially moms, especially now, <laughs> when we've got our kids all the time, and we're also trying to work, and we're doing a million things, finding what, things that we're already doing where we can practice this work so that we don't have to also come up with a new management task of carving out time to, to practice. Building it into your already existing system means that when you need to bust this stuff out, it is ready to go and you're in good practice. That's perfect. And yeah, I never even realized that those are little tips that I've tried to do too for that engagement level because it's like that active listening and everything too where you're engaged properly with your children and, and you're not, you know, waiting for like the reaction to respond. You're actually engaged in it with them. That's so beautiful. I love that. Okay, so now we've talked about moms and everything with public speaking, but what would you say is your overall biggest tip for public speaking? My biggest tip for public speaking, I think it's the controlled breathing. I think that is the, the one thing that because fear is such a huge piece here. And if you talk to anybody about why they hate public speaking, it's going to be one of the stress responses. It's going to be, you know, I start blushing and then it, it triggers a whole other series of responses and then I just can't focus and I can't get past it. Or it's my hands start shaking and I see them shaking and I, I start to freak out because I know everybody can see my hands shaking. Or I start to sweat and I'm sweating so bad and everybody can see it. So, so much of our fear of public speaking is around our, our physical stress responses. And once you actually get that and you understand that there is a really easy way of navigating that, which is controlled breathing. Again, you're, you're, you're using your sort of rational brain to override your uh, lizard brain or your lower brain. And it, 
there's a physical chemical reaction that happens so that you're stopping to produce the hormones that are creating those stress responses. Once you actually get that, and by the way, controlled breathing is not, it is also something you need to practice. And so it's not something you can just, I mean, it is something you can just do in the moment, but if you haven't done it for a while, it takes your body a while to realize what you're doing. But if you're practicing for two minutes every single day, two minutes of practicing controlled breathing, when you actually need it in a difficult situation, you go to start and your body goes, oh yeah, I know what's happening now. And so the, the response time is that much faster. And so I would definitely say that controlled breathing is my number one public speaking tip. I love that. And I have to agree though, breathing is the number one. There's like a mindfulness app that so I use where it does like yeah. this like expand, contract, and even yeah. on like Apple watches, it'll like vibrate and tell me I'm not breathing properly. I'm like, hot damn, my watch is calling me out. But it works <laughs> and it allows you to actually be more mindful in your activities throughout the day instead of just focusing when you're needed to go on stage. Yeah. Now, looking at everything that you've done, I know your mission is passionate for women. So how would you help, like, what would you say to women on how to build their confidence? Like, what are the tips that you would give? Is there like some behind the scenes curtain tips and techniques? So again, the system, you know, I keep going back to the system, which is sort of boring, but ultimately it is the thing. And so, you know, once I release my clients into the real world, into situations where, you know, they've wanted to address certain things for years, what I keep getting back from them is I I got stressed out. I, I felt, you know, I, I got a little bit panicky and I just went back to the system and it gave me the confidence. And I can give you a real life experience as well. So I was having a really difficult argumentative conversation at work with somebody who was uh, superior to me. And it was, you know, my typical physical response to yelling or loud voices or sort of gaslighting, uh, dominating, is to sink in because I don't like it. I just want to get out of that situation and I sort of curl up a little bit. I don't want to have eye contact. I don't want to address it. And this is what I was doing and this person was not stopping. And all of a sudden I said, this is a few years ago, I know what to do. I just have to stand up and take up physical space. And I literally went into Alexander, which is you start with your feet and it's, it's sort of like going into mountain pose with yoga. You start with your feet and you move all the way up. And once I got to my chest and I sort of snaked open, this person was like, what is happening right now? And <laughs> absolutely changed. I wouldn't say that I made them afraid, but I would say that I disarmed them in a way that even I was not expecting. And so that gave me the confidence to say, oh, I have this power. I, all I did was unroll. That's all I did. And I was like feeling the stress. And that to me gave me confidence. And so practicing, going back to this stuff and practicing build your confidence because you start to see it working and you start to understand that it's not some esoteric, you know, um, having to be a certain way or developing some kind of new personality that's completely different from yourself. It is actually you 
learning how to navigate systems that are difficult for you for whatever reason. And so over time, this, this builds up your confidence. And I, and I always suggest as well, it's not, doesn't happen overnight. This is something you have to commit to. This is a practice. And it's like drops in your bucket. The first few drops, you're like, oh, it's never going to happen. It's not going to fill up. It's not, you know, it's going to take forever. And then all of a sudden, one day you're like, oh, my bucket is three quarters full. Or, oh, hey, I just did this. I just had a conversation that probably three months ago I wouldn't have been able to have and I feel good. And so you, you, and then that builds on your confidence as well. And so what I, I also find when you invest in yourself, when you actually put in time to bettering yourself, that's like a self-fulfilling prophecy as well. That gives you energy, that gives you positive energy. You feel good about what you've done for yourself and then you continue with that momentum. Sort of like, you know, getting up and stretching first thing in the morning. You're starting off your day doing something really good for yourself and not, you know, not every day because <laughs> let's, let's be real. Life happens and all kinds of things can shake it up. But trying to start with positive ways of, of, of giving yourself gifts and improvement, I find really helps me uh, sustain motivation and that builds confidence. I agree and love all of that. The biggest thing is it does take time and practice and that repetition. And I love how you use the Alexander to, you know, show yourself and, and own your own energy, like own your space. Because yeah, you're right. I noticed a lot of times women with low self-esteem, they tend to hurl inwards. And so one big thing is like posture, own your space, own who you are, take, you know, your energy isn't for everyone. Like I'm not saying everybody is going to like me. I know I'm not going to rub everybody the right way but I'll confidently show up in my energy knowing that I'll attract the right people. And then I'm confident in the messaging that I'm sharing. And so when that comes across, that's the energy that others will receive and it creates that beautiful give and take. And so I'm, I'm excited to have the listeners hopefully apply these skills guys, hint, hint into your everyday life. And if you want to continue to scale it, you know, better, you better contact Megan because like there's so many different things out there. <laughs> She's doing a raise the roof for those of you who can't see it. Okay, so for everything, going back into your, your why, I would love to know why you chose public speaking and women specifically, because I always find the backstory is kind of like our hero story, like what we've overcome. Well, uh, so, you know, because it wasn't linear necessarily, but so I started working with the students and I really, really felt incredible after giving them what I considered sort of basic knowledge, but it's just stuff that they hadn't been made aware of before. And I, I, have, I would have energy for hours afterwards. I would just feel so good. And so I knew I wanted to make this into something I did more. And then when I was finding, you know, I'm a feminist and I'm all over supporting women. I, I truly believe that this world needs change. And I think that we're going to need change from the voices we haven't heard yet. And so that involves all of the underrepresented voices. And when I started working with women, I just felt that there was a whole lot of conversation I didn't need to have because there was a shared experience and understanding of just what it is to be a woman in the world. And I also knew that I was giving people, people with really good ideas, people, people who were typically afraid to speak up, but if they could, 
would see a lot of change in workplaces, in with their ch children, uh, you know, in, in even just giving a wedding speech. I mean, I worked with a mom a few years ago who was petrified of speaking in front of people, but her daughter was getting married and then asked her to speak and she was so worried about it. And so she and I worked together and she felt so good about her speech. And I know that it meant a lot to her to be able to do that for her daughter because she had been so worried she wasn't going to be able to do it. And then she got in touch with me a couple years later because she had retired and, and unbeknownst to her at this retirement luncheon, uh, her boss had called her up to give a speech, which she was totally not prepared for. And she wrote to tell me, she said, I knew what to do. And I just, I went back to what we had talked about and I, I, said a little speech and I actually felt good about it. And I felt proud that I was able to, you know, manage this in what otherwise could have been, I mean, how many times <laughs> we don't volunteer to get up and speak very often and let alone having somebody pull you up and then having to speak in front of a whole group of people. So no, I, I, I really believe that compassionate leadership is our next step forward and we're even seeing it in like look at New Zealand's prime prime minister is it oh, I'm sorry that's a, I, I say prime minister and I, I'm it's Jacinda but anyway the leader of New Zealand um, is, is doing incredible work and we're seeing it especially with COVID-19 the, the leadership from from women globally uh, in the countries that are doing quite well there's something to that and that's the kind of leadership we need right now uh, in a lot of places <laughs> uh, especially um, close to our home and yeah and so I just it, it became sort of my mission of okay I want this world to be better this is a way that I can do that I I actually know that this stuff can work and if I can work with women and I can help build compassionate voices and change the biases that we face and so if if it is the case that people are carrying around these hidden ideas that women aren't as good at speaking then then we can change that by not buying into that by showing up by being visible by speaking no matter what even when we know we can feel the vibe we know that people are judging us getting up and doing it anyway and that will over time see change in the world and i think that we desperately need that. So that's I my love that. That's my story. I love that. No, because it's true though. And even like the current times what we we're talking about with COVID and stuff, I pay attention to and I do love how New Zealand has handled a lot of things. Like she has literally rose up, breastfed a baby in court, like done her things. And I'm just like, yes, like yeah. love, love. And that's that's what we need more of. Women that aren't afraid, women that can show up and not be shamed or take on the other people's old beliefs and and let that stop you. So really? knowing that we all hold priorities different and like everything, I would love to know what inspired you to pick your specific niche in really helping people move from you were doing stage to now public speaking, getting their voice out. Like that, that must have had a story behind it specifically for you, I find. Cause like I started as a massage therapist, I moved to an energetic healer, intuitive working coaching, and it just, the pivots happened because of life events. And I would love to hear yours. Sure. Oh boy. Okay. Well, uh, so I was, I did my theater training 
And I was working as an actor uh, and a server for years. And I would go to auditions and I would, um, auditions for women are very different than auditions for men. And often we wouldn't have any speaking uh, uh, to do. It would simply be how we looked. And so you'd go in and you do something called a slate, which is where you say your name and what your agency is. And then the camera literally goes up and down your body. You turn to the side, it goes up and down your body. You turn to the other side, it goes up and down your body. And that's it. That's your audition. That's three years of theater training. So I was like, I would have to rejig my schedule constantly when auditions would come up. Um, and it was, you know, that was stressful trying to find people to cover my shifts. And I was, I was, you know, over time I was thinking, I don't actually getting to do the thing that I went to school for. I am simply showing up and being a body. And then the, the day I decided not to do that anymore, I'd been given um, call sheets, which, and I had tons of lines. This was for a commercial. And I actually got to like memorize lines and come with like a character. But here was the thing. I was a woman in a bar. This is a beer commercial. Who was talking about how I was going to give my boyfriend a threesome for his birthday because he drank the beer that we were talking about, which let me know that he was smart. And there's even like a line like, even though uh, he gave me diamond earrings for my birthday that I'm pretty sure are cubic zirconia, like this was the most amount of lines that I've been given in several years of doing this. And this is what it boiled down to. And I was in a room with models. It was models and me. I'm not a model and, and like, these were models. So I already knew that what they were looking for. And the director worked with, he was so excited to have somebody who had theater chops and who had acting skills. We did this from every angle. We played with the script. We had so much fun together. And even as I was leaving, we sort of looked at each other going, it was nice to meet you. Like, I'm not getting this. I know that, but this was actually fun. And both of us had felt like we were doing like work that was passionate for us. And I walked out and I just said, like, F it. I'm not, I'm not doing this anymore. I told my agent right away. I was so super clear. I said, I can't do this anymore. It's, it's taking away from my life. And so what I ended up doing from there is I went into creation. So I started writing plays and I started um, working as a producer. And then all the time I was also playing music and writing my own music. So I'm a musician as well. And that sort of took over. I could make my own stuff. I could record my own stuff. I didn't have to think, I didn't have to rely on anybody else's dumb things. I could just do my own passionate work. And so that's what sort of took over everything. And it was music for years, always with a day job. And 
then I had a baby and you know things changed. I had to change my focus. I had a full-time job as I always have. And being a, a mom and having a full-time job is like there was not a lot of energy for music. So that sort of got pushed to the wayside for a little while. And once I started working with people and got so excited about that, it's just been recently I let, that I left my job and I decided that life is worth living to the max. And I couldn't keep spending all of my time going to a place where I wasn't feeling fulfilled, where I wasn't feeling used in a, in a, you know, in a, in a way that made me feel excited and passionate. And so I knew that if I could create this coaching uh, career for myself, it would also free up time for music and allow me to express that creative side as well. And so, yeah, that's, that's where I end up being here. So, so what am I doing? I'm, I want to change the world. <laughs> I want to keep being able to make music. I want to be there for my kid. I want her to see a strong woman and what that looks like. And I want to keep continuing that feeling of helping people with like really serious fears because if you ask the average person, like, hey, how do you feel about public speaking? Most of them are going to have the same answer. It's like, oh, no, 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 I don't like to do that. Right? And so, so I feel like I, like this, the work that I do with people is, it makes my soul happy. That's everything. Like, because you're, mm -hmm. you're following a mission mm -hmm. and you're heart aligned, which means you're getting that validation. I love how you had said, like, you got so excited and had so much energy after your sessions. That's how it feels when you're in flow, I find. Because, like, yeah. I've done so many low hanging fruit jobs. Like, I started in aesthetics because that was a quicker certificate. And then I got my 2200 hour, like, it, all those things. And so the low hanging fruit might just be what gets you by, but it's not that forever getting you excited where your day flies by and then you go, oh, wow, I've been at it for X amount of hours. And so I want people to be able to hear that too. Like your mission became your career and that's what further fuels your purpose. I love all of what you said. Now, I always like to kind of bring in a real moment. And so I, I've shared a lot of my old fails, things that have happened in my life. And I would love to know, like, what is your favorite, you know, mom fail or entrepreneur fail just to show that we don't always have to perfectly show up. We can imperfectly shine as well. Okay, um, I'm just gonna make sure she's not anywhere by. <laughs> so I like to think of myself as a person who can, uh, you know, talk about anything. So like, I'll talk about pooping, I will talk about bodies, I will talk about, um, you know, I get into it with people really quickly. So we, you know, often I develop, you know, really strong bonds with people because I, I enjoy that sort of connection with people. And so I've always assumed that as a mom, I would be like the best mom to have that first conversation sex with. And it happened earlier than I was expecting. And I didn't know how to navigate it. I was like, I didn't know what to do. And so it came up and I started giggling. <laughs> happening I I could talk about anything I just I knew I was going to blow her mind and I and I, I I didn't like I didn't know if 
he really wanted that. And, and we, so anyway, it ended up being fine. And I talked, and so this is what I do now. When I don't show up in the, in the way that I, like the cool me wishes that I was, I talk it out. And I'll say, I'm laughing right now because I'm feeling a little bit surprised at this conversation. And so this is, you know, like, and then asking a lot of questions like, do, are you ready? Do you want to talk about like this is blah, blah, blah. Um, and so like, it's a fail, but it's also an opportunity to show her that it's not always going to be perfect. I'm not always going to have the right answer. I'm also going to be super honest with her about like that I'm messing up right now and, and I'm trying to do a good job or, uh, you know, if I get angry or yell or do any of those things, like I'm the first to apologize and say, that wasn't cool. And I'm really sorry about that. Um, and talk about it just because I feel like if you're going to fail, you also have to show how you make reparation for that. So yeah, that was, that was like, I still, I don't know why I was giggling. I don't know what the heck was going on with me, but like we got through it and it was totally fine. And, and, you know, it's not going to be that sort of warm, squishy moment. I think that anybody remembers, but it's our moment. And it was an opportunity to, to still show up in whatever state I was in and not just shut it down because I didn't feel like I was being cool enough. Does that make sense? Yep. <sighs> but man, when we're not cool, are we ever not cool? <laughs> I, I hear you. Like we have two daughters and they're six and four. And there was a moment where they're like, what is a period? Because they saw a commercial. And I was like, well, <laughs> let me tell you something. And so I started to explain it. And my husband, we were in our bedroom because we were watching TV, cuddling them in bed before if we talk them in. And he's slowly lifting the blankets above his head. And he's like, mm-mm, mm-mm. And I'm like, and, and, and my girls are like, oh my God, so what? And by the end of the talk, I was just, I was laughing, but it was just more from the reaction of my husband because he couldn't, he couldn't, like he just, he grew up with too much testosterone, I think. So we were just laughing. I'm like, you have to know, like, if I'm not around, you have to know. So this is for you too. He's like, oh, yeah, life is real. (laughs) Man, life is really real. And it's real right now, isn't it? Oh my goodness. But you know what? You have to get uncomfortable in order to grow. So like all this comfort, it's allowing us an opportunity to grow. And I've changed my narrative. This is some more things that I've learned in personal development. But instead of like focusing on a negative, I'm using the word interesting. It is very interesting now. And it changes it because otherwise I would get anxiety from just feeling all the tension and all the the stress of the the economy and everything. Yeah. Yeah. And it is interesting. Like if there is like this is a whole other conversation, but the amount of things that I am learning during this time, like the, you know, the skyrocketing of it, like, you know, it's all major arcana cards right now. Like it is, everything is big and, and yet at the same time, quieter, like it's, it's such an interesting time. It's so true. It's so true. Yeah. Now, I find a lot of people are looking at developing themselves and taking time to work through things as well while being home more. And so I would love for you to just share your gift that you've offered to our listeners too, because she gave you guys a freebie. I hope you guys take advantage of it, but I want you to describe what it is and what it offers so that way people know what to do with it. Sure. So I have a free public speaking guide and it goes 
through all of the steps that we talked about earlier today. So it talks about standing using Alexander technique, which by the way, also translates uh, to sitting. There's a way of sitting in Alexander technique, which is really beneficial for those of us who are sitting at computers all day, especially now with, uh, on Zoom calls constantly. So it, it goes through the standing, it goes through the breathing controlled and deep. Then it goes into speaking, learning how to find your optimum pitch and tools for that. And then it goes into reading via text mapping. So it outlines for you how to go about that. And then I have some other tips and trips and further resources in there to, to help you sort of get a footing on how to begin the sort of journey of figuring out how to get over fears in terms of public speaking, but it's so much more than public speaking, and especially for women, it's actually like, I'm, I'm now starting to see it as a guidebook for visibility. So these are like clear, tangible, proven steps to give yourself the opportunity to be more visible, which is, you know, um, something as moms, especially when we are in charge, it is really important for for us to develop compassionate leadership, but also learn how to be confident and visible uh, for our kids, which we've already talked about. So yeah, it's, it's public speaking because that's a term that people understand, but it goes into so many more places than that. It's, it's your personal relationship with your partner. It's, it's how to navigate stuff with your kids. Like it, it translates to so many different places. And this is, this is the structure. So in this free guide, you have the basis for all of that stuff. I love it. Thank you so much. So where can people find you best? Like social media, website, where would you recommend that they find you? Sure. Everything is under my company called UBU Skills and it's the letter U, letters UBU uh, and it's to help you be you. So the website is www.ubuskills.com and that's where you go if you want to get the free guide. And Twitter slash UBU skills, Facebook slash UBU skills, Instagram slash UBU skills as well. Perfect. I will also share the, the link in the show notes for those of you who want to take action and grab it. And I honestly, I appreciate everything that you shared and getting vulnerable and being real. Cause like a lot of times we'll talk and people tend to stick in that superficial, but I love that you are like me and we just want to get real, get to the point and get some opportunities through that discomfort and grow from it. And so for those of you ready to do the work, I highly encourage you to check out her stuff. It attracted me to hunt her down and get her on the show. Cause I do love her messaging and the opportunity that it brings. So I just want to say a special thank you, Megan. Thank you, Melissa. I really enjoy talking to you today. This has been, it's been fun. And it's also, you know, it's my jam. I love talking about this stuff. <laughs> ditto, ditto, hard yeah. ditto. Thank you so much. Thank you. Hello. Okay. So we vibe with our tribe and I wanted to let you know that I'm over here doing a special shoulder shimmy celebrating you as an action taker. So I hope you know that I am doing a coffee cheers in your honor for joining us here today. And since we are now gal pals, I would love a small favor from you and would love to have you leave us a review. I don't ask for them to be staged. You can be completely honest and I would love to get to hear what you enjoyed, what your favorite takeaway was, and maybe just what you would like to know further more on. Because if I don't know it, I'm very honest and I will do my best to bring you some support in there. Thank you again and have a great day.